That's our first. Thank you, Brent. Are you ready, David? Am I on? Am I on? Am I on? Testing one, two, three. Did you guys greet and meet? Did you guys say hello to each other already? Did we miss that, Pastor Brad? We missed it. We missed it. Well, you got to get up right now and hug each other passionately and deeply. You're going to spend eternity with each other. Steve Chill, that's funny. Well, good evening. Good evening. Come on now. Wednesday night life study, amen? Good to see you guys. Pastor Brett, you know, he's got some exciting stuff to share with you down the road, but he was in New Jersey, made it back today, huh? Good trip? I'm stoked to hear what's amazing God is doing with this fellowship. We're, we're really, really excited. I can wear shirts on Wednesday, shorts on Wednesday night, right? It's good. You're not going to freak out. It's not, you know. No, the pants on. I, Pastor Brett did it before, so that's why I'm okay with it. Uh, the verse that we're going to focus on tonight is Jeremiah 12 and 5. Jeremiah 12 and 5. The title of the message is Run, Run, Run. Run, Run, Run. There's an old song in the 50s, I think, was something like that, wasn't there? Run, run, run. There it is, Fernando. Do run. That a boy, Fernando. Yeah, it was before. Anyways. So as you get there, Jeremiah 12 and 5 will be the, the launching point of this study. The Lord gave me this word in the midst of our trial this summer, in the midst of our uh, camps, it's our vacation at Camp St. Joe's with Susan and I. It was quite a missionary experience, quite a time of refreshing, and it was the best of times and the worst of times, and in the midst of this time, the Lord gave me this word, and five or six of them He gave me. But this verse really spoke to me, and, and as I sit back now and look at things as they have unfolded and made themselves true till now, wouldn't change it, wouldn't change it for the world, letting you know that right now. But in the midst of it, ugh, not fun. If you look at the verse now, we'll, we'll read it real quick, and then we'll, we'll do some applicational, topical, and, we'll, and Lord willing, get you to think tonight. Let the Holy Spirit do His work. If you have run with footmen, and they have tired you out, then how can you compete with horses? If you fall down in the land of peace, how will you do in the thicket of the Jordan? Lord, it's a lot being said right here, Lord. We know that your truth is per your word is truth and your the truth is perfect. So Lord, as we do a reflection internally tonight, Lord, we, we ask, Holy Spirit, that you'd invade us. We'd ask that you'd do the Wednesday night soul search, because these people that are here want to get refreshed. They want to hear a word from you. So I volunteer myself as a tool unto your service asking that you'd use me. Lord, we pass also, Lord, that we would just breathe, relax, and enjoy, enjoy what you want to say, Lord. You are a good God, Lord. You're a great God, and we're awesomely in love with you, Lord. Please do your work in our midst. In the church of God said, amen. 
I like the last part. How would you do in the thicket of the Jordan? I entered it. This is uh, what I said. Or, or for that part, how will you do in the desert of Arizona, right? <laughs> so let's go a bird's eye view of this. Let's look at this from the top. For the context in this chapter, Jeremiah in verse 1, straight out complaining to God about the wicked prospering in the first, the first part of this. You ever had that cross your mind? Why are the wicked prospering? Just me? Come on. How about this? He even goes out to point out to God, and some of us have and some of us haven't, but his integrity and his honesty during this time. He goes, God, Lord, I'm a good guy, man. What, what's going on? Anybody ever put those shoes on? Am I the only one? Okay, just let's be honest. Yeah, amen. We need to be honest. God, however, answers in this prayer and in this situation, and, and he goes down the path and he gives him a real tough cleansing. He tells him, Jeremiah... To get a hold of himself and lets him know, hey, times are going to get tougher, uglier, and these times are coming. You know, my, my brothers and sisters, tough times are coming. I'm not here to be prophetic in that way at all, but they are. They're, they're coming. And I, and I think we need to realize that there's no doubt in my mind that tough times have been had in this room. I guarantee you that. I know some of your testimonies, some of the stuff that you've gone through, awful stuff. But there are tough times coming. You know, this study for us tonight is like one of those rocks that the children of Israel placed when they crossed the Jordan. It's one of those things I think we need to remember, prepare ourselves for what we're going to go through. And lastly, as we finish up, some real perspective to understand that our enemy wants you dead. He doesn't want you wounded. He doesn't want you lamed or maimed. He wants you dead. And we have a real enemy. And I think we need to really focus on not so much his power, but what he wants to do. So when he does show his ugly face, we realize that he's been defeated and we stand. Amen? So let's cover this verse. How are you gonna, in the world going to run with horses? Have you ever been weary in the little things? You know, what are you going to do when it, when it really gets tough? You know, I do believe, my brothers and sisters, that things, are, as we got covered before, things are going to get much worse, much tougher. I think that our whole society has peaked as far as a culture of living and all. And what do I mean? I mean this. I think we have peaked and are on the way down as a culture, my friends, morally, socially, and ethically. Would you agree? The good factor of living in a world of leaving your keys in the car overnight or leaving the front door unlocked? I don't think those exist anymore. I grew up in a time in a place where mistakenly I did that all the time. <laughs> but I woke up and my car was there and nobody walked in our door. Some of you grew up in areas like this where this is, this is part of it, but I'm going to let you know now, probably not all of you do this anymore. Your, your doors are locked, right? Your keys are in your pocket. And there was a time when, when this kind of life, this kind of virtue in our country existed. It doesn't anymore. You know, I believe that my generation is the last generation of this, of this kind of trust. A couple things, though, that we need to reflect on, you know, and, and, to, and to define some more of what is going on. People use abortion as a means for birth control. Yes? Yes. We have people marrying each other of the same sex. Yes? 
We have access to sin like we've never had access before in the past. John Randall noted at the men's retreat that the viewing of pornography outdoes Netflix, YouTube, and another internet combined in our country. Guys, it's not going to get easier. It's going to get harder to live a truly pure life. The world doesn't want you to do it. You understand this, though, because we don't fight with the weapons of the world. We fight through the blood of Jesus Christ and his Holy Spirit. Amen? And I think we need to reflect on these thoughts to make sure we have these thoughts captive, understood, and more importantly, placed in the bowels and recesses of our heart. Because there are times coming, guys, that are going to get tougher, and it's not going to get easier. But we are to be about the gospel. We are to be about winning souls, discipling, and pouring into. And we're going to cover that in the end, but I want you to keep that in the back of your mind. How about the world now? Let's reflect on this. Let's, so we've dealt with the moral culture. How about the world's culture? We, have, we, we cannot continue to use up the energy sources we have in the past. We're going to have to make some sacrifices down the world as far as energy consumption is concerned. That's just, these are truths. We are not producing enough food to feed the hungry world, and more people are getting hungry. More demands will be go- placed upon America for our food supplies. Someday we can, we'll have to eventually realize that the third world has tremendous needs. There are people starving and dying everywhere. Whether we like it or not, demands are going to be made on us to call for a greater sacrifices and the high standards that we've come to expect and enjoy over the last 40 years. It's been noted that we use 40% of the world's energy resources. I repeat that again. We use 40% of the world's energy resources. In contrary, we only have 8% of the world's population. One day that holiday, the vacation, the picnic will be over, my brothers. Things are going to get tough, and they're going to get tough. The world will demand it. Don't forget that China outnumbers us 9 to 1. 9 to 1. These are real facts. This isn't something you can Google it or do whatever you want to do to verify the validity in the statements that are falling from my clay lips. But these are, these are truisms. So if you run with footmen and worried, what are you going to do when you start racing against horses? If on the level of the ground you become tired, how are you going to run through the marshes of Jordan? That's what the verse is saying. Now, look, look at back at this verse and look at what God's saying. God doesn't really answer the question. He doesn't. He says, Lord, why do the, Lord, why do the wicked prosper and I am a righteous man and they threaten to kill me? Lord, how come? God doesn't answer. He says, hey, it's not tough yet, Jeremiah. It's going to get real tough. What are you going to do then? Now, acknowledge that God had been, that Jeremiah had been running. He had been. He had been running. And you were running with footmen. You've been doing it. But how have you been doing it, Jeremiah? You've been doing it with the strength and the guidance of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that strength and guidance you've had in the past is the same one you're now going to be contending when you run with horses. You've got to trust them out. God has got us all in training. Even if you don't sign up for it, guess what? You're enlisted. Men, women, child, brethren, when you confess Christ, you have been enlisted. Amen? The Bible says you are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works that God has before ordained that you should fulfill. Ephesians 2 and 10, for those note takers, Ephesians 2 and 10. God has each of us in training and he's preparing us for the future. God always prepares his children for what they will be facing. I say that again. God always prepares his children for what they'll be facing. 
That's the truth. I, I stand on that. I stand on that more now in the 25 years I've been walking with Christ than any other time in my life. I thank God for that. In the midst of it, you'd ask me that three months ago. I don't know what I'd have said. I'm being honest with you right now. But now as I stand here, I'm all in even more. I am all in even more. You, man, Jesus is so satisfying. God always prepares His children. He'll never take you into any, anything that's a surprise or a shock to Him. Now, it might be a surprise and a shock to you, but it ain't for Him. It's not for Him. He'll never bring you to any place that He hasn't already prepared that place for you. But I'll go on further. He's preparing a place for you. You know, to reflect on the children of Israel and what they experienced. He said, everywhere you pitched your tent, I went before you and prepared the places for you to pitch your tent. Don't you love that? Don't you love that? God's gone before you and me, no matter where we've gone. God's gone before wherever you go. He's gone before you. But do you embrace that truth as part of your everyday life? Yeah, Lord, I'm, I'm driving the car and you know what I got to do. No, God's already there before you preparing that place. Are you walking in an expectant way to see what he's going to do in your life? I do now. These feet are holy because of Jesus, not because of me. And I embrace that. And I encourage you guys to now. He's also been working to prepare the place as we talked about, but he, he's teaching us to rely on him, teaching us to trust in him, teaching us the lessons of faith, teaching us to know that God will not fail us. God will see us through no matter how the outcome, what it may come, the Lord will be with me and he will help me. He's been teaching me and training me because one of these days I'm going to be running with horses. Boy, I, I, I see that now in, in ways like, I'm like, ugh, horses, horses. I don't even understand how to ride a horse. I don't get scared. I, when I get on a horse, honestly, I feel sad for the horse. <laughs> no, personally, I'm like, ugh. We got to ride a camel in Israel. It was awesome, me and Susan. But I was sitting here thinking about going, man, this poor camel. He's not going to enjoy this much, but that camel didn't care. They just picked us up and moseyed us around. I thought it was pretty funny. Next year, we're going to get Pastor Brett on one. He needs to get on a camel. That would be, and I'll get pictures of documented. But no, it's serious. It's, a, it's, a, it's one of those things like, oh, because some of you guys rode horses. I've never been much of a horse. I got thrown off one as a kid, so I'm not a big fan of them. But he'll never bring you a, a place at all wherever you're going to see him not working. So God is working in our lives. You know, these little trials and testings you're going through, they're all part of God's work and his pre preparation for your life in the future that will be even more difficult than what we've experienced in the past. Did you hear what I said? There will be things that are going to be coming up, church, that will be harder than what you've done before. But they're all preparation for what you're going to go through. I didn't sign up for that. Yeah, you did. No, you did. Acts 1.8 says, And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. That Greek word witness is the Greek word martyro, which we get the word martyr. Well, I didn't sign up to be a martyr. Yeah, you did. But you don't embrace that. We're not taught that as we're discipled in the Lord Jesus Christ. You are on mission for Jesus Christ. It's not about you. It's not about anything for you. Because eternity is so great, we get to live forever once we've confessed Christ. Eternity is paid for. How you, how you live here, I, I believe this as, as I'm going, oh, I'm going to get in my myself. Let me stop. Take it in. I'm getting, i got to slow the truck down. Getting the brakes hot, going down the hill. Got to slow down. 
You know, his preparation of your life and future things will be more difficult. You know, as some of you know, and this is, this is where I'm going to try to keep it together. Susan and I had, had a summer at Camp St. Camp Joe's. Most of you guys, you know, thank you so much. I know many people in this room, Christian brothers and sisters, wanted to help by being a part of, you know, helping with meals and cleaning and all that stuff and coming over to, to help me. You know, we spent 50 or 65 days in the hospital battling stage 3 cervical cancer. It, there was no planning. There, there was nothing that happened that was normal. There, there was no, okay, you're going to go to chemo and then you're going to come home and then you're going to rest. No, there was nothing like that that ever happened, ever happened during that treatment. There was nothing. And I look back at that and I'm like, wow. Fighting infections, you know, pain, you name it, she got it. Susan paid for the full Monty of cancer, is what we say. She paid for it in full and I got to watch it. It was awful. I wouldn't wish it upon my worst enemy, I'm letting you know right now. What she went through, wouldn't wish it upon any of you. That's how bad it was. And I'm pretty tough. I'm going to let you know that. I'm not boasting, but I am. Watching my wife go through that, I'm a little baby compared to how tough she was this summer. It was awful. And, and, and to look back on that, I don't think she, I don't, I think she would change it, obviously. But me learning about how to believe in that deep training that we went through, man, I wouldn't change it. Because... At that time, you know, my personal life at that point, I've understand the sovereignty of God and His plan. You know, we, we, Susan and I have, have pretty messed up testimonies for, for the reality. You know, God brought us together for ministry, for life. He didn't use us right away in the beginning. That's fine. Eleven years later, we're here now, and we know our calling. We know that we're, our job is to empower and pour into you guys. That's what we're called to do. We're called to be under authority of our current shepherd, Pastor Brett, whom I love dearly. My brother, I would die for him. And, but our job is to pour into you, to support, to help, to help. And that's what we're going to do. Even, even in ways that whatever, our lives are yours. We've been through it now. We get it. And we see the things that God has ordained in our lives. We didn't see that in the past, though. We didn't see that before because both of us were abandoned before. Our, our former spouses decided to say, I don't need you. Okay. And during that season, when you go through that, you know, you learn to trust in God. You learn to trust in God in ways that you don't ever, you don't ever realize. And I wouldn't wish that upon any of you guys, please. But, I, but for me and for her, we needed that, to be able to be where we're at now in that training. We learned how to trust to Him. On the positive side, you know, God used us to birth a business six years ago in the midst of some of the worst financial situations in, in this area. You know, six years ago, we were involved in a, mar in a marriage class in this church. Hundreds of people went. It was unbelievable what God did. But in the midst of that, we had, Susan and I in our group, we had about 20, 25 couples, 12 couples. And in the midst of it, and if I'm exaggerating, forgive me, but I don't, I don't think I am, at least half of those people were losing their house six years ago when the, final, when the bottom hit. I mean, some of you remember this, right? It wasn't so good six years ago. It was, it was really bad. But in the midst of this, God's pouring into me and Susan. We're getting a count every week for 40 weeks, and we can't share anything with anybody because people are losing everything. And we're like, oh, man, Lord, you have your sovereign hand on our lives. Forgive us. Let us become broker, broker, blessings brokers. Let us become people who bless, and that's what we do. Because we have to. Because God entrusted us during this time through our walking in the Jordan 
through running with horses to realize that your money is not yours. I give you because I want you to give it. And I think about these things because in the midst of this, in the midst of this stuff, I didn't understand it. And to see the brokenness of young people losing their houses, oh, man, it hurts so bad. You pray and you pray and you sit in the midst of it and you're like, oh. You know, we learn how to walk in humility and how to bless and be and do it in a way that I thought, and God still does, is, is a way that we don't draw attention to ourselves. We want to be people that serve God and give Him the glory. We, we see that God has His hand in our lives. We have seen the good and the bad, the need to run and stay with the Lord. And God calls us to run. Amen? Back to Jeremiah. So this is God's response to Jeremiah. The nation is going downhill. Jeremiah can see the nation is going downhill and wicked men are in control and guiding it downhill. What does that sound like? Don't answer. God, why have you allowed the wicked to prosper? Why have you allowed the wicked to take over and to guide the people in the way of this destruction? What is this? This, is, is, is this, this looks like it could be, I mean, from our vantage point, doesn't this look like something that we could read today? From our vantage point, the world's vantage point, no. But from ours? And, and God just says, hey, buddy, fasten your seatbelt. It's going to get tough. You've been running with footmen. They worry you, but just, just, just know this. Soon you're going to be running with horses. You're just going to have to trust in me. You're just going to have to hold on. I will see you through it. I will bring you through it. But you're going to have to compete, trust, and completely rely on me. You know, we, we believe that America is a land of peace for the most part, right? We don't experience a lot of internal conflict, when I mean wars, physical hand-to-hand combat between groups here. But, you know, it might happen someday brothers and sisters. You know, and, and I say this flippantly, but I also say it as factual. Don't forget the post office two years ago has an over and abundance of AR-15 ammunition. Did you forget that? Because I didn't. The post office does. What does the post office need AR-15 ammunition for? Anybody have any idea what that's for? Why they bought six million rounds of AR-15 ammunition? The post office? Anybody have an idea? Somebody throw me a bone, because I don't. Yeah, hide. It's a reality. This happened two years ago, but it's not in front of you. They still have it. For what reason? I don't know, but they have it. Sometimes, you know, the, the, the things don't make sense in the land of peace. Amen? <laughs> Always remember, the only peace we come comes from Jesus. Nothing else works ever even will come close to what Jesus does. This is true and it happens all. We, we need to hold on to this church. I have another piece of information I want to add to this to this beautiful passage to give you some working tools for application and understanding how to walk in this situation. If you would turn to 1 John 3, 13 through 18. 1 John 3, 13 through 18. It's in the back of your Bible in case you're wondering. I like to do, I'm going to do the Jeopardy sound. Do, 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 do. Almost there? Say amen when you're there. Amen? So I'm going to read that real quick. Point of application for understanding, because, you know, God wants you to run. God wants you to fight. God wants you to realize to rely on Him. But the other thing that we don't complement that for instructional application is the other side of the equation so we understand what we're up against. Amen? You have to understand what you're up against. So I'm going to read it to you. This is what you're up against. 
Do not be surprised. We live in surprise, so don't be surprised. Brethren, if the world hates you, ding, 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 ding. Don't be surprised in surprise. That's what it should be saying. Don't be surprised in surprised. Don't be surprised in surprise if the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brethren. He who does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our, our lives for our brethren. But whoever has the world's goods oh, and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, oh, I can't wait for Pastor Brett to share this. How does the love of God abide in him? Mm, I'm fired up for what he's going to share with you guys. Little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and truth. Amen? Realize that the world hates you. The world hates you. No, they don't. Yes, they do. I have been told this, and this is something I'm going to ask you to, as a point of reference, application and understanding for your note takers, or for you when, when you're driving your car. I've been told that the world sees no difference in you, that you have too much of the world in you. I was, I, was, I was challenged. I wasn't challenged. I challenged a guy some 18 years ago, and then he got it brought up to him about mm, six years ago, and we had a good cry over it. And then, and then it was brought up. That, that was the thing that God used me to encourage him. He got asked this question. Gee, I didn't know you were a Christian. Oh. And then he got asked it like six years ago. Gee, I didn't know you were a Christian. Those should be some of the saddest, saddest sounds that enter into the doldrums of our brain. Gee, I didn't know you were a Christian. That should cut to the quick right now. If the world doesn't know you're a Christian, then I challenge you tonight. Why? Are you embarrassed about Jesus? Are you, are, how are you going to run with horses if you can't stand up for Jesus now? I'm sorry if that hurts, but it's, it's I, so, I gotta say it. You got, you, it's gotta be said. It, this, isn't, this isn't powder puff Christianity anymore. It's gonna get worse. And we need to believe and act as if we believe what we believe is real. Amen? Practical applicational stuff that was given above. Give to the poor. Help your brothers and sisters. Give and not get. Serve and not be served. Run and help your brothers and sisters because they will come a time, church, that's all we'll have on the earth. Have you thought about that? Have you thought about those people that are sitting next to you in the right and left right now? These people that are standing, right, sitting right next to you, my ear fell off. My ears aren't, are too big, I guess, sorry. But the people sitting next to you right now could be potentially the only people that we can trust. Can I trust you? Are you going to run? Are you going to run with me? Or are you going to be a coward? I'm asking a serious question. I ask this of the men all the time. Are you, are you going to run? Because this church is a beacon of light. This is a hospital on Greenway and Reams, fortified and paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. This church stands because God wants it here. God wants this church here. It could have closed. No. God, God said, I have a church here. 
you know, there was a challenge that was given. Some of you guys go to first service, I think, right, on Sunday, some of you? And I was talking to Pastor Tony, uh, going through some things right now, and he said he posed the question of, of some of you people, how many of you guys got involved, and it's a surprise, Christmas surprise. And he said, very few of you raised your hands of those who were first service. And he said, oh, that's not good. And it was a, I heard it was funny. He shared with me the other day, and I'm sorry, Tony, it broke his heart when he saw that. It broke his heart. It broke his heart. You know why it broke his heart? Because he didn't do enough about encouraging you guys to get involved in that. A lot of us come here, punch the Sunday and Wednesday time clock of Christianity. How's that working out for you? I can't get enough of Jesus. I can't do it Sunday and Wednesday only. If there was more time I didn't have to work, I would just do this. But we have to work. We have to live. And we have to be effective. But if we don't have an over and abundance of people signing up to serve this community, shame on us. Don't people need Jesus? We got that big star pointing to him, right? We need people to come and hear the gospel. Unless you don't want them saved. Do you want them saved? Do you want people saved? Of course you do. Yeah, if you don't, then I have to ask myself sometimes, do, do I have that weeping and sadness over it? I'm reading this book by Leonard Ravenhill called Why Revival Tarries. I can only read it a chapter at a time because when I get done with the chapter, I'm crying and I'm a mess. I'm like, oh, I'm such an ineffective Christian. Oh, Lord, help me be better. Give me unction. Help me help my pastor brother be a better leader. Help me... Hold his arms up. Please, do whatever you got to do. Whatever it is, Lord. And I think about these things because I wonder, do we do enough? Do we do enough? And I think a lot of it comes down to sitting in front of the Lord in prayer and having the earnest desire for the neighbors. You know, as I was driving in, and I've been doing it every day, Every time I come to church, I come to church at the 303 now, and I come down Greenway. And the Lord put it on my heart about six months ago to pray, but I didn't know why. As you drive down Greenway, I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but do you guys see like there's development signs on each one? Like a development? You guys seen those? Like somebody lives in that community, and, somebody, and they all have like their own name. And I was thinking, man, what if we had a Bible study in every one of those communities? What if we had a Bible study in one of those communities? How about some of you guys who live in Sun City? What if... I don't know if they do the same thing there or not, but I know in, in this row of streets, we could literally name Bible study A, Bible study this one, as you go down those things. People could have a safe haven and a sanctuary, because this is a beautiful thing to do, but we, you leave here. Your next door neighbor is always next to you. Your next door neighbor is always next to you. They're not going to come to church for help. They're going to come knock on your door. Hey, man, this need, I need help. And that's, I think, where we lose that intimacy and connection and community by coming here. I love church. Don't be wrong. But your neighbors are your neighbors, and they need Jesus, don't they? Your neighbors need to come to this surprise, Christmas surprise, and you need to be a part of getting them here. I encourage you with that, please, my brothers and sisters. Last piece of information we're going to cover. Genesis 50 and 20. Go back to the front now. Genesis 50 and 20. 
Genesis 50 and 20. You know the story. It's good stuff. Are you there? Amen. All as for you, if this isn't highlighted in your Bible, you know, go ahead and do it. Underline it. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about the present result to preserve many people. All the things that Joseph had to run through, the running with men, the running with horses, to get to the end to have this kind of outlook on life. You know, the last point of application as we understand this, do you have this kind of perspective? Joseph ran, had to learn how to run with horses, men, his brothers, he was put in jail, sold into slavery, wrongly accused, betrayed by his brothers, forgotten in jail. And you see through the, this whole situation in being a man of God that he said, oh man, don't trip. It's all good, man. God had it, God had it worked out. Ah, oh, don't trip. The sovereign king of the universe Allowed that to do a deeper work in me so you all could get blessed. Could you imagine if we all had that perspective right here, right now? Could you imagine what we could do if we really believed that all the junk that we go through is for a greater good? Susan going through cancer, hey, greater good. You asked me that three months ago? Nah, man. I just want her alive, Lord. We got plans. We got plans, man. It's for the greater good. The pains that you have, your, little, your necks, your, your toes, your, your knees, for the greater good. The difficult relationships you got, spouses, husbands, kids, prodigals, for the greater good. Am, am I just sinking in? Is it? Amen? Because it, it needs to. Because this is what the gospel life is about. It's about the transformation of receiving King Jesus to the sanctification process till we promote and be with him. We, we, are, we are sojourners. We are passing through this middle dot of time to eternity. It's a little speck of time. And our focus and our jobs are to realize that the sovereign king of the universe has this same outlook on you. You might have intended that for evil. You might have, but you know what? God meant it for good, and not for my good, but for the result of other people to preserve many people's lives. Do you realize that that, could, that that impact could happen to any one of us in this room? We can have that impact. The question is, do you believe that the sovereign king of the universe wants to do that? Because I'm going to support that verse with this next verse. What does Romans 8 and 11? Go turn there now. Romans 8 and 11. This is the last point of application that the biblical that I'm going to outline for you to understand the truths that are being spoken. Romans 8 and 11. It's a great song. Lord willing, Pastor Brad, are you going to sing it? Praise God. It's on the radio all the time. It's a beautiful song. You see this in the midst of, of, of life. Amen, you guys there? Amen. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus for the dead dwells in you, 
He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Now, what, 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 what Paul, what, what, you're tripping, Paul. What are, you, what are you talking about? The same spirit and power that rose Jesus from the dead lives in you. Do you embrace that? Do you get that? Oh, Donnie, you're being stupid. No, that's what God's word says. You can call that stupid. I'm not being stupid. That's what God's word says. I don't have the faith sometimes to believe that, though. Do you? I want you to. I want us all to. The same power that rose a man from being in the tomb for three days. I've seen it. Three days he was in the, in the earth. Rose him from the dead. That should blow your mind. And he lives inside of you. That same power. Those are kind of words. Those, those, you know, you're getting a little stupid, Donnie. No, you know, these are things I dealt with sleeping next to Susan on a small bed, praying these prayers, asking God, what does this mean? Because right now I don't see the power right now, Lord, but I know it's there. You know, watching somebody die, in essence, what I went through this summer and then being reborn, gives you a different perspective on life. It gives you hope like you've never understood. It gives you love like you've never understood. And it also shows you in your life where you've been tolerant. Because this love is patient stuff. It's patience. Patience is not tolerance. And that's another excuse that Christians use in this. We all do. Oh, I just got to No, you don't tolerate sin. You don't tolerate anger. You don't tolerate maliciousness. You don't tolerate vindictiveness. You don't tolerate all those sins that the Bible calls are sins. That's not patience. You speak to them and you confront them. And then you deal with it. Love is not tolerant. Please, my brothers and sisters, some of you maybe in this room are dealing with that. Love is not tolerant. We don't hide under the mask of tolerance. We hide and are fitted with the blood of Jesus Christ and his blood. And love is patient, but love does not say it's okay for you to sin on me. Amen? Because I think that we've, we've somehow become cowards in regards to dealing with confrontation. I mean, think about our Lord and Savior. He was crucified naked completely taking all of that shame for us. We have power to deal with this all now in love through him. But you must deal with it. You must deal with it. We trust and learn to run with horses in life. We get to the to end of our struggles and the beginning of our struggles. And we need to ask ourselves in the midst of it, you know, did the world intend this to hurt me? but God intended it for good. Some of you might be running. Some of you might be walking. Some of you might be forced to start running. And then you're going to be running, and then you're going to be like, man, I'm tired. And then there's going to be horses in your life you're going to have to keep up with. And then you're going to be like, oh, what are you doing, Lord? What are you, why, why are you allowing this? It's for the greater good of the kingdom. So others, so others, might see the goodness of God. Amen? 40 minutes. There it is. So let's close in prayer. <laughs> That's all good. No, no necessary. Thank you. Lord, we just come to you in the, in the midst of this time, in this generation of believers, uh, Wednesday night servants. We want to thank you for them, Lord. We want to thank, we want to thank each other for, for, for coming on Wednesday to hear this because, Lord, Many of us could have stayed at home and many of us could have 
not wanting to get fed, but Lord, you're good and sovereign, and you have a great plan for us, a great plan for us. So Lord, we embrace your truths. Lord, we want to be able to run in ways, Lord, that they look at this church and these group of people here and go, wow, these people love each other. They're encouraging each other. They just don't want to run home after they get out of church. They want to listen to the last worship song. They want to fellowship. They want to, they want to act as if they really like each other. And I love y'all. We're thankful for this, Lord. And we ask that you do your work. And we'd ask that you, we'd embrace one another in this victory. In Jesus' name, everybody says, amen.